Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome. Great to have you with us on News Radio 1070 WKOK. A lot coming up on today's show, including Kirk Shiraka in just a few moments. And today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, great pre-owned inventory as well. Service department takes care of everything from major repairs to routine maintenance, which is critical. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Last week, I had a chance to talk with Kirk Shiraka about the football team. We dealt with the quarterbacks, which we uh, played back for you on uh, on Monday's show. Well, now let's uh, get to the rest of the offense and how he views the rest of the offense. Kirk Shiraka from last week as the Nittany Lions get ready for the 2020 season. Obviously going to make this offense work. Penn State has worked very hard, as you know, Kirk, of really recruiting up front. Now they have older offensive linemen. What, you know, obviously, I mean, this is an obvious question, what it can mean for your offense moving forward. But are you seeing even in this this stage some cohesion that says to you they're going to make this thing work? Yeah, I'm really excited about these guys. And, and really, I, I was excited about them when I watched them in winter workouts and I saw how athletic they were um, with everything. And then once I got a chance to spend more time around Coach Trout and realize what a fantastic teacher he is um, and, and how good he is at teaching the fundamentals and how how well he relates to his players, um, I, I just had a good feeling. And watching their growth, throughout the process um you know it's it's really been impressive and and there's look the offensive line they've got five guys got to play as one so there there's there's still the exciting thing to me is there's still meat left on that bone with those guys and they can be even better um than what they are right now uh but there you see the growth you see the potential in them um, and again, the one thing we haven't been able to do is put the pads on and hit each other yet. So there's still going to be some learning with those guys up front once we're able to do that. But I, I love their attention to detail and, and their buy-in to Coach Trout and what he's doing. Obviously, I'm watching you in Minnesota because obviously I did the game last year, but there are other times I watch Minnesota. You... Try to effectively use everybody, including your tight ends. When you look at guys like Pat Fryermuth, Zach Kuntz, uh, you add in Brenton Strange. Now, then down the road, Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren. What can those tight ends and their versatility mean to how you want to put a game plan together? Steve, I got to tell you, uh, that's one of the most exciting things for me right now working with this crew is the potential at that position to impact the game. And I haven't really had a tight end like that since I was at the University of Delaware. Um, and so, like, I know what a great weapon 
they can be and how we can take advantage of them. But these guys, like, they have multiple skills. Like, they not only can they line up as an inline tight end and knock you off the ball, but they could line up and they run routes like wide receivers. And the ability to create mismatches with them, um, I'm really, really excited about and the impact they can have on this system. You know, and at, at Minnesota, we were still we were developing that position. So we didn't have the athletes that these guys are, right? You know, we're working to recruit in that area and to upgrade that to be, have these multi-talented guys at the tight end position. But the, I'm just excited, and I can't wait to see how they add to the offensive system. And, of course, the same story of running back, too, because you had multiple running backs, including Rodney Smith. I did kid in the pregame show that he actually was older than Dalvin Cook, which I think is true. <laughs> I, uh, but here you've got you know several guys – and they each have a different style to them. Uh, does that help you in terms of how you want to play certain situations, or, or are they similar enough where it doesn't matter? I, I think that they. the one thing I've seen and watched them on the field, that we're not going to have to have a specific package for this guy and this guy and this guy, right? Three different packages, because they, they, they're capable of doing everything well, you know, but I love the fact that their running style is a little bit different. You know, and so where one guy, you know, might circle the defense on a play, another guy might press it and puncture the defense on the exact same run, and and I think it'll help keep the the defense off balance on how they're trying to control their gaps against us uh, with who's in the game and how they're running. Uh, so I, I love the idea that we have depth at that position. And the, the other thing I love about the position is we've got some home run hitters at that position. So they're capable of taking, turning that five-yard gain into a 65-yard gain at any moment. The, the other thing that I've been impressed that I didn't really know for sure about them was how they were going to be as a route runner. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're – they're definitely able to run routes, and, and Coach Snyder does an incredible job in developing the complete running back. You know, we we ask our back to run with the football. We ask them to be critical in our protection systems, and we also ask them to run routes uh, like a wide receiver and impact the game. This gives us tremendous flexibility in uh, how we can utilize our personnel and create these matchups we have. So they're multi-skilled. Um, and that's exciting. And you mentioned the, the the route running part of it. So your receivers, there are a couple veterans there, but there's also a lot of youth there. Do you see potential and some depth there? I would say this, Steve, that since the day I got here, the receiver position has probably improved more than any other position. Okay. Now, is, is that going to produce immediate results on Saturdays? when we're playing for real, I, I, I don't know yet. But, you know, but I do know this. You have to be able to do it in practice before you can have a reasonable expectation that it can happen on Saturday. And, you know, Coach Stubbs has done a great job with those guys, you know, coaching his butt off and, and developing them and teaching them uh, the system and getting them comfortable with it and allowing them to go out there and make some plays for us. 
in the passing game. And it's it's critical that we have wide receivers that when, when they're in a one-on-one situation, that they can win and we can make the defense pay. Uh, it helps open everything else up for us. So I'm, I'm excited about these guys and their growth. And, you know, uh, Keandre, you know, has shown, shown great potential uh, to be an explosive player for us. Parker is, again, showing great potential um, where they could possibly have an immediate impact for us. But excited about the whole group of them, you know, overall, but real excited about those two young guys. But they, they've all really improved. I think Jahan, some of our older guys, DG, uh, uh, um, Cam, CSB, Cam Sullivan Brown, yep. you know, have done a great job in leading the group too. And you know, they're always the last, first group on the field when we're doing these skill developments, and they're the last group to leave the field um, with it. So that that that's exciting to me. Kirk, t- take me, take the fans into what your job on game day is for a moment. You have to make these decisions in 14 to 18 second intervals. Uh, now, you have time, obviously, when the defense is out there to think through some things. But what is that process like for you when you're trying to do this in real time in, in 14 to 18 second intervals? I, I think the most important thing about that is during the week is working with your staff communicating, sharing ideas, and formulating a plan collectively. You know, we're, uh, we're using, I'm going to use, I use everybody. Everybody that's in that room has a voice, right? And we collectively put together the plan, right? That's when the most important decisions are made. Uh, what, are, what are we going to do? Where's our starting point in the game? Uh, what are our best explosive plays? Right. Well, what are the possible problems with everything that we can talk about? What are we looking for that could be a problem? If they do this, if they do this, what are we going to do? Right. All those decisions when you have time during the week is, you know, uh, a wise coach told me one time, don't wish away time. Right. <laughs> so during the week, we, we're going to use that time collectively. And that's when the most important decisions are made on game day. We've thought through what we hope are all the different situations that can come up, right? And then that's also your experiences, too, in the system where, you know, we might not have talked about something, but something will come up in the game that might have happened to me four years ago and that maybe we weren't prepared four years ago for it, but after the game we thought about it. If this ever happens again, this is what we would want to do. This is how we would want to move our chess pieces um, if they make that move. So you have those experiences, but for the most part during the game, you know I'm a, I'm more of a feel guy. You know I, I I have we have all these fancy call sheets, but if it's going really well, I'm not really even I'm not even looking at the call sheet. It just the game just flows. And so did this interview. All right. The good news was at, at the beginning because we t- because there's October 23rd, 24th. That's opening weekend, and everyone's excited. Kirk, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Really appreciate your time, and it's great to have you on board. Thanks for having me, Steve. Look forward to seeing everybody. Kirk Shiraka, Penn State Offensive Coordinator, Quarterback Coach. We'll come back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK.
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Our thanks to Kirk Scirocco for the time he gave us. Uh, Still to come today, Russell Baxter will join us at the bottom of the hour into the next half hour to remember the (laughs) incredible playing career of Gail Sayers. Bob Nightingale, USA Today. On baseball, yes, we will bring up the Phillies. That's... Have to. Yeah, it's been... Got to bring the Phillies up. Sorry. Then tomorrow, uh, Friday, we've got Ruben Frank. We're going to talk about the Eagles. And again, I I feel like I apologize to the audience for bringing up so many negative topics. (laughs) Well, if you're a Philadelphia sports fan, that's unfortunately the way it is right now. Yeah, but I'm a positive guy. <laughs> All these negative times. Why do you think we never talk about the Pirates? All right, so. Um... <laughs> Actually, you know what? They'll be coming up a little bit later. We have a little positive stuff with them at the play-by-play call. Well, some positive stuff courtesy of the State College Spikes. That's right. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's right. Huh. All right. Great to have you with us on the show today. Gail Sears did pass away. Oh, my goodness. What a running back he was. It was a limited window because of the knee injuries. And uh, I didn't see it live when Kermit Alexander hit his knee. Well, I've seen the tape many, many times. Many times. Um, and the, uh, but Gail Sayers was as electrifying a running back as I've ever seen. Now, we have all these people all the time that are draft experts today. They'll go over and over about, you know, what, you know this, this, this draft, that draft. Okay. Of course, you know, part of the job, part of the job is, and it is part of the job description, when the draft is over, how do you grade the draft? Well, I'll tell you right now. You usually can't tell how good a draft is for a couple, three years. But in 1965, the Chicago Bears, courtesy of a trade with the Steelers, had the third overall pick. And they had the fourth overall pick. 
The Chicago Bears, with the third pick acquired from the Steelers, selected Dick Butkus. And then with the fourth overall pick, selected Gale Sayers. Now that is a draft. (laughs) That's a draft. Nobody drafting that well these days. No. They make a bigger deal out of it today, but yeah. (laughs) Sayers was electrifying. Great. Moves as a running back. Receiver. Punt returner. Kick returner. Oh. It, it It was like watching this poetry emotion in the field. That day he scored six touchdowns against the 49ers. It turned out where I was, that was the game of the week. It was at Wrigley Field. It was in the mud. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. And of course, you know about Brian's song with Brian Piccolo. I think I don't think people realize Brian Piccolo's daughter actually went to Penn State. Um, well, no. Oh, Piccolo and he were going to be a dynamic duo in the backfield because Piccolo had replaced Sarah's when he got hurt. And then they moved uh, Piccolo to fullback, put them together in the same backfield. And Sarah's gained over 1,000 yards that year in his bounce-back season. But then another knee injury then derailed him, and he ended up getting into the Hall of Fame in a limited window. Boy, is he something. Sayers and Jim Brown were in the league for one season at the same time, 1965. After that, essentially the baton of great running backs was handed from Brown to Sayers. Leroy Kelly was really good, too. Um, Hall of Famer in his own right. But that was you know, something else. He passed away today at the age of 77. So we're going to talk more about that in the next half hour. Looking forward to that. Then we'll depress the audience on Friday and talk about the Eagles. Well, actually, one of the reasons why I brought Ruben on is he actually had a pretty good piece that actually gave me some perspective last night on the way Carson Wentz has played lately. He compared it to how Donovan McNabb started in 2003, which, of course, the Eagles were 0-2 that year and looked terrible. Bounced back, obviously, got within a game of the Super Bowl. So that actually got me off the edge a little bit. I'm still very concerned, but I'm now off the ledge. And it's helped me move on to Cincinnati. You're playing Cincinnati this week. I mean, Joe Burrow gives them a fighting chance, but have you seen that team play defensively? Oh, yeah. They give it a 40 to Cleveland. You'd think you could score I mean, on them, but we'll see. I mean, they give, they, they're the only team I've ever seen defensively that gives up yards on kneel downs. <laughs> Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. All right. Uh, A couple quick notes, then Russell Baxter. Um... We'll start with football. The MAC is voting on Friday whether to return with a fall schedule of eight games. So the Mid-American Conference votes Friday on that. 
Thursday, the Mountain West is voting on an eight-game schedule, which would start the weekend of October 24th. It looks like the Pac-12 is also going to vote on Thursday, uh, just like the Mountain West. The question is when they want to start. Is it in November, or will it be at the end of October? But So the Pac-12 votes, it looks like, on Thursday. The Mountain West looks like they vote Thursday. The MAC, the Mid-American Conference, votes Friday. And it looks like the Big Ten ACC Challenge is a go, and it looks like the dates for college basketball for the Big Ten ACC Challenge will be December 8 and 9, which will be a Tuesday-Wednesday. All right. So just to get, catch up, everybody, on some news and notes. Russell Baxter now joins us, profootballguru.com. Russell, welcome. Great to have you with us. Yes, sir. And so uh, what you're telling me on that update is that we could see the return of the Mac on Friday? You can see the you can see the return of the Mac, which would mean lots of Tuesday, Wednesday football. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just tell Matt to cue that song up, and we'll be all good. So perfect. <laughs> all right, so let's uh, let's get to Gail Sayers. Uh, in my lifetime, as electrifying a player as I've ever seen. Your thoughts. Well, it's hard to dispute that. Uh, one of the most exciting players in the history of the league, uh, I believe still owns the rookie record for touchdowns in the season with 22, and that wasn't during the 16-game season. Uh, obviously, his career shortened by injuries. Um, uh, I think a lot of people who did not know the story of Gale Sayers learned about the story of Gale Sayers and Brian Piccolo um, in the movie Brian's Song which uh, was a, originally a made-for-TV Tuesday movie of the week for ABC and yes, became a, a legendary yeah. film. And, um, you know, Billy D. Williams and James Caan and uh, just a magnificent story and um, something to dig out uh, maybe in the next couple of days just to remind you of just uh, what a wonderful relationship those two gentlemen had um, with the Chicago Bears. Um you know, Gail Sayers was one of two first-round draft choices by the Bears in 1965. The other was some guy named Dick Buckus. Can yeah. you imagine getting those two guys in the same draft? Um, yeah. You know, kind of like the Steelers in 74 when they got um, uh, Jack Lambert and Lynn Swan and John Stallworth and, and Mike Webster, four Hall of Famers. Uh, and yet, it just shows you the essence of the, the team game. It, it, you know, Sayers had his injury issues. Butkus was phenomenal, and yet neither one of them ever played in a postseason game. And, of course, the postseason was different back then. I understand that. Yeah. Um, and their careers, you know, drifted into the merger. But as a runner, as a pass catcher, and maybe almost somewhat forgotten as a kickoff return artist. I mean, oh, he was, and I mean, a punt returner. Yeah, I mean, he did everything. And um, I was saying earlier to someone else, when you think about – the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And you think about some of the players that have gotten in with shortened careers. Um, Dwight Stevenson, the center for the Miami Dolphins, comes to mind, certainly Terrell Davis. Um, who's the guy, Earl Campbell to a degree, um, but who's the guy that everybody mentions when it comes to a shortened career and made it to the Pro Football Hall of Fame? And that's Gail Sayers. Because when you saw him, you probably knew from the get-go, Wow. And he was, when you watched him, as wow. It turned out that I was watching the game 
the sixth touchdown game against the 49ers in the mud. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it was that men among boys type of performance. And, uh, again, you know, who knows what would have happened if you had been able to uh, stay healthy. But in terms of versatility and um, big plays and, and the cut moves and the, the ability to just stop and plant and run right down the field and so on, he was just something to watch. And uh, I, I had, like, one semi-chance encounter with him. I never spoke to him. In the pro, at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, where he usually would show up um, on an annual basis, and uh, you know, it's been a very, very sad year, obviously, for a lot of people and so on. But you, you think about the most electrifying runner, arguably in NFL history, and you know the winningest coach in NFL history, uh, and both of them passed away this year: Gail Sayers and Don Shula. Yeah, amazing. Uh, it does not help you in your cause to make the playoffs when Rudy Bukic is your quarterback. <laughs> uh, just thought I'd pass it along. And I say well, with all yeah, due respect to Rudy Bukic. And it's funny because the Bears have never been a quarterback-centric franchise throughout their history with all their championships. And uh, who's the most successful quarterback in the history of the franchise? It still probably is Sid Luckman. Sid, Sid Luckman, and then to appoint Jim McMahon. I thought when Jim McMahon played, he made he he actually. You could talk about how great the defense was with the Bears in '85. I thought Jim McMahon was the swing player. No, he was, he was. But talk about another guy who struggled to stay on the field. Um, and you know, Jim yeah. McMahon. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, he struggled with injuries and so on. And um, but you know, because of the rough and tumble nature of the Chicago Bears, um, they don't have a lot of. Uh, you have a lot of running backs in the Hall of Fame, obviously. You know the great Walter Payton and so on, and and, and some other stellar performers sure. who are you know were borderline Hall of mm-hmm. Famers and so on. Offensive linemen certainly their share of defense, um, but it's kind of like the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns don't really have a lot of defensive players in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and yet you know that's you right. Know, the array of talent they have in terms of running back being in the Hall of Fame. You know, it's interesting because, you know, everybody drafts, you know, when they draft, everybody has to do this story about the draft rates. It's part of the job. But you're right. It was Tucker Fredrickson who his career cut short by a knee injury. Right. Ken Willard, it was a functional fullback for the 49ers. Then it was Buckus, the trade with the Steelers. Then Gail Sears. People forget who the 12th overall pick to the St. Louis Cardinals was. It was Joe Namath. Set some draft. Yeah, 1960. People, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that Gale Sayers was also drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs. He was. Uh, he was drafted by the Chiefs in the first round, and Butkus was picked by the Broncos in the second round, but there was only eight AFL teams in the second round, and the Broncos actually offered Butkus more money. Yeah, I mean, think, think about, talk about a lineage. Middle linebackers. The Bears have four of them in the Pro Football Hall of Fame: Bill George, Dick Butkus, Brian Urlacher, and Mike Singletary. Talk about talk about cementing the position in terms of legendary status. It's it's you know, to a degree, it's almost like the Pittsburgh Steelers with centers. And, you know, Demonte yeah. Dawson's in the Hall of Fame, obviously Mike Webster, and who knows where Marquise Pouncey is headed one day. And by the way, Ray Mansfield was pretty good too before Webster. Yeah, he was. Ray Mansfield was pretty. Good. In fact, he was the starter for the Steelers when they won their first two Super Bowls, not Mike Webster. 
He was right. the starter yeah. still. And then, of course, Webster eventually took over and then was an Ironman. Uh, players that are that are just great transcendent players, part of my criteria is could that player play today? Or conversely, could today's player play back then? Gail Sears, I think, would fit in perfectly in today's game, don't you think? Yeah, he, he would run away from everybody, okay? <laughs> I would not want to play flag football against him. I would not want to play a game of tag yeah. against him. Um, he was just amazing. And, um, again, it's, it, it's a shame that he wasn't able to stay on the field. And, uh, and, and But also to his credit, back then, if you suffered the kind of knee injury that he suffered, okay, more times than not, your career was over. Today would be a whole different story with arthroscopic surgery and the advancements right. in medicine and so on. The fact that he was able to come back and do what he did was it was simply amazing. And obviously, um, the late Brian Piccolo had a, a big impact on helping him and so on. And it's, a, it's such a great story. I'm, uh, you know, hopefully, to, hopefully today they're they're sharing a few stories up there. Yeah, and Brian Piccolo's daughter, by the way, went to Penn State. So a lot of people may not realize that. Uh, yeah, the the Piccolo. People forget Piccolo when Piccolo was in college at Wake Forest. Um, he led the nation right. in rushing. And a lot I mean, of people was, don't realize that. I, I think if you know if memory and and listen, Gail Sayers in '65. That's a few years before I actually started watching football uh, on a regular basis. Yeah. Okay, and um, you know. When they had the Bears had Brian Piccolo, uh, the the feeling was that he was going to be the guy, and in came Sayers, and then obviously things changed dramatically. Um, but eventually they would share the backfield, and um, you know talk about the, the the great thunder and lightning type of combinations yeah. in the league. Um, what they were able to do, unfortunately, didn't lead to a championship. Um, but just amazing memories, and I think anybody who, like you said, you remember the game in '65 against the 49ers in the mud. Um, you know, that was just, you know, there's it's one of three performances by a player that have scored six touchdowns in a game, and the versatility that Sayer showed that day was just almost unmatched. By the way, Sayers is also an example of when the player comes to campus and you're recruiting him, you meet him. Sears wanted to and was going to go to Iowa. When he went to his campus visit, Jerry Burns didn't meet with him, the head coach. So he ended up That's going weird. to Kansas instead. That's a lesson for all all the recruiters out there. If you want them, show up. That is a great story. That's a great story. And, and um, you know, it, again, there's, there's a whole generation of people um, who probably more remember Gail Sayers from a movie? Sure, role, yeah. you know, Bob, Billy D. Williams' role in a movie. Uh, but I'm willing to bet there's a lot of people who are going back on YouTube and, and googling things today. And um, in any era, it was just magnificent to watch. And um, again, it didn't last very long. But what you saw, really, from the get-go, that amazing rookie year he had, um, should have told you something. And um, yeah, I know it's a Bears fans, you know, and just football, pro football fans in general, and 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 of course, you know his college days at the Kansas Comet and so on. Um, yeah. Just a sad day, um, yeah. you know. He's he's one of those remarkable 
figures in NFL history that has really kind of stood the test of time. Yeah, he really has. Uh, but Kansas Comet sounds better than, than whatever nickname they would have come up with at Iowa. So it actually worked out pretty well. <laughs> it worked out pretty pretty well for him. There, if, for those of you who, who will end up watching Brian's song, I'll tell you the scene that sticks out to me more than anything else. It, it, it's, it's a funny scene. And Russell, who knows if it's even... But Piccolo plays a little practical joke on him, and he tells him Hallis is deaf in one ear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah, so yeah, Billy exactly. D. Williams keeps running around to get to the right side the entire time. And Hallis finally looks at him and says, Hey, look, I know you got a lot of great moves, but you have to show it to me here in the office. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, talk about a great character actor, Jack Warden. I mean, big Jack, Jack Warden. Warden. Jack Warden. Jack Warden. Who, yep. who had a thing, by the way. He had something, I guess, he must have had some affinity for the law. Okay? Follow me on this thread, which I'm sure you didn't think coming. He was one of the jurors in 12 Angry Men. Okay? Yeah. He was Paul Newman's investigative yep. reporter in The Verdict. And then he was that. Yes, I remember that. Incredible judge opposite Al Pacino. In and justice for all. <laughs> he must have liked courtroom movies for some reason. Wasn't he? All, I know. Now, okay. Now the right, football. Yes, was, he was wasn't also, he also the trainer he in Heaven Can Wait? Martin Balsam, Jason Robarbs, Jack Warden, Robert Redford, Dustin Hoffman, and all yep. the president's men. And I think it wasn't he the trainer in Heaven Can Wait with Warren Beatty. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Oh, yeah, he was phenomenal. I'm telling you, he was. He had quite the career, and um, you know, it just he sure uh, did. Yeah, he really had a phenomenal career. I'm a big movie buff, along with an NFL buff. And yeah, he yeah, I guess football yeah. and courtrooms. I pretty much covered it. You know, For, football courtrooms. I'll give you one more. He was in uh, with Sandra Bullock in While You Were Sleeping. Okay. There he is, right? Yeah. Oh, now he was—he was—he was, he was hey. terrific. He was—he's one of those guys who thought along the way would have won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor, and never really, it never did. Right. So he was—I so, believe he was also in and Shampoo the owner of the Warren replacements. Beatty. Yeah, he yeah. was in Shampoo with Warren Beatty, and also kind of explains the connection with Heaven Can Wait. He was. Yeah. Yeah. And then he was the he, owner of the Washington Washington team and the replacements. I said, how can you not like a guy who likes the law and football? There you go. Perfect. I love it. All right. This was a lot of fun, Russell. Uh, even though in, a t- in obviously a, a tragic day for the Bears and also for the uh, Sayers family, we're able at least uh, conjure up some memories and have some fun. Yeah, and, and I encourage people out there, if you don't watch Brian's song, go just go back, and, and I'm sure the NFL yeah. Network and ESPN will, will do their due diligence, especially the NFL Network, uh, yeah, eulogizing him and so on. And, boy, was he fun to watch. He really was. Yeah, yeah, he was fun to watch. Hey, always a pleasure. Love talking about these topics in terms of uh, going back and looking at some of the greats, and we appreciate you very much, Russell. You got it, sir. Let's talk again soon. Can't wait. 
Russell Baxter, ProFootballGurus.com. Yeah, Christy Piccolo, yeah, Brian Piccolo's daughter, did go to Penn State. So We always try to connect something somewhere here for people along the way. More local connections sometimes than people realize. Um, tomorrow we have our high school roundtable, correct? Yep, we're ready to roll with that. Uh, who's the Shikalumi representative? Uh, Chief, as far as I know. The other guy just won't do it? Not that I've been told. But what, do we have to wait for some word on high? <laughs> I just I just execute. That's all I do. I don't make the decisions. Well, I know, well no, I'm, I know he's in favor of my execution. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Uh, very quickly, uh, the uh, testing for Penn State Athletics, the results out for the latest uh, group of testing. As Sandy Barber said, it will be much improved. Well, it was much improved. 830 tests. There were 20 positives. That's a 2.4% positivity rate. So that's the latest on Penn State testing for all of their uh, student athletes. 830 tests performed, 20 positives at 2.4%. All right. So there you go. Uh, talked about the ACC challenge. Uh, that looks like that's a go. And with it being a go, they're looking at December 8 and 9. Uh, Penn State basketball did practice, uh, by the way. Uh, they did, but they practiced yesterday. I know that. I think they went today as well. They're into that eight-hour a week on the court deal. They can do that right now, which is good. Um, it gives them an opportunity, you know, especially get the freshman back out there and Sam Sessom. Sessom's going to sit out this year, but Caleb Dorsey and all those guys. Zimbilla and Dalian Johnson. Johnson I'm going to have a little fun with because he's from Haverhill, Massachusetts. I will be one of the few people in the conference that will be able to pronounce Haverhill correctly because it's spelled H-A-V-E-R-H-I-L-L. It looks like Haverhill. Okay? Now, because I grew up in New England, I know it's Haverhill. Just like you see Fitchburg and Leominster. Well, it's actually Lemonster. Just like it, you know, and you go, oh, they're so funny up in New England. Uh, just remember, in California, it's Lancaster. Here it's Lancaster. Bob Nightingale next half hour on baseball. We'll touch on the Phillies as they continue to circle a Fogden airport. Certainly not what you wanted to hear. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com.